0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Our reading this morning is from Luke 1, verses 1 through 7. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Well, uh, normally, this is a moment in the morning where I ask you to have a conversation with a neighbor and uh, this morning, I want to, again, ask you to have a conversation with me. We're going to play a little game, okay? okay. Uh, sound good? Uh, I, I really, well, I don't, well, don't say yes yet. You don't know the game I'm asking you to play. Um, hey, uh, we, we are starting Luke's Gospel, and, you know, we have been in uh, the season of Advent sitting with the songs of the season, uh, specifically from Luke's gospel, that his story of the birth of Jesus contains four songs that pull us into that story. So in some sense, we've sort of already moved into the story. Well, this morning we kind of backed up and we're going to the introductory material of Luke's gospel to kind of start us off as we move uh, through the book here over these next uh, weeks. And these are his opening lines. And maybe, you know, we often talk of like famous last words, but I would like for you to consider some famous first words with me. And the level of their fame perhaps is debatable, as you maybe will discover with me now. But I'm going to give you the first line of a work of literature. All right? You guys are like, <laughs> you're already rolling your eyes. We haven't even started yet. Um, uh, and, then, and then let's see if you, we can come up with it. Sound good? Uh, shall I start? I'll start real easy. Uh, well, I'll start. Let's put it that way. Call me Ishmael. Moby Dick, right, classic, I call me Ishmael. Um, how about um, all children except one grow up? Yeah, Peter Pan, whoa, whoa, Peter Pan. Um, all right, those were the easy ones. You guys ready? <laughs> oh, here, here's another one. Here. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Anyone? Uh yeah, little, little Charles Dickens, Tale of Two Cities. Well done. I don't know who said that, but good job. Um how about uh happy families are all alike? Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Like dark, I know. Anyone? This is this is Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. You guys say, oh yeah. That's right. Uh that's on my that's my resolution list to read that this year. Um uh, let's try um Let's try this. I I remember this one from, uh, well, yeah. uh, He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Yeah. Who said that? Yeah, nice. Well done. Little Ernest Hemingway for you. How about this one? Uh, This was just fun. I think it's a great uh, opening line. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Anybody? That's uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I don't know where that came from, but yes, that's right. Little Lewis. Uh, I told you he was worth getting to know. So um, uh, uh, we'll try. How about in the beginning? Anyone? Yeah, all right, okay. Uh, They made me nervous there. I wasn't sure what. uh, what you guys were, what you guys were gonna, gonna say there? Uh, I, I think, um, I, I think it's just worthy of reflection as we start Luke's gospel. These sort of uh, this kind of prologue material. I, I think sometimes we can read something like this and we're just like, it's not particularly devotional, right? Like this isn't sort of moving you in your quiet time. Uh, o Theophilus, an orderly account. Uh, you know, this isn't sort of where we go for. It's not probably not on your mirror for inspirational encouragement as you start your day. But I do think it's kind of worthy of consideration. I remember. I think it was seminary uh, where they were like uh, being encouraged. You should pay attention to the table of contents, to so like the the opening sort of front matter of a book is worthy of your attention because it will help you read wisely, right? Like, if it's like a book, you don't need to read all of it. Well, you know, this introductory material will help you read wisely. And I, I want to suggest to you this morning that Luke's prologue, his introduction, as we've read it this morning, and then just the very beginning of the story. Uh, to kind of pull us in uh, is worthy of of some attention here for a couple of reasons. Now, now I do think uh, as I was thinking about it, uh, Luke's prologue doesn't it doesn't read like say John's prologue. John's prologue, the Gospel of John, feels like the Lord of the Rings to me. You guys seen the Lord of the Rings movies? So so last Christmas I shared with some of you guys I was reading through I read well, revisited Middle Earth and it was beautiful. Uh, here go. Oh my goodness. Right. Please talk about Georgia football instead. But, uh, uh, this Christmas, uh, I stepped into, um, the Silmarillion, which is kind of like sort of the early history of the Middle Earth world, right? You know, not kind of like it is like so early history and beautiful and fun. And, but there's a whole section in there that, that gives us the content of the prologue to the movies. If you've seen the movies, there's sort of before the movie starts, there's this whole sort of beautiful narrated, I think it's Kate Blanchett, I can't remember, narrates this beautiful music in the background, pulls you into the story. I hear that when I read like, in the beginning was the word, right? I would try it with an accent, but I can't do it. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, right? Like that's how it feels. Nothing was made that has been made in him was life. That life was the light of men. Right? He goes he goes on, the light shines in the darkness. Yeah. I mean, you can feel it, right? like pregnant pause, but the darkness has not overcome it, right? It feels just beautiful and poetic. Luke's introduction, which Emily read for us this morning, does not right? I mean, it does not. It just uh, it reads very formal, uh, you know, kind of following sort of uh, cultural you know, uh, the patterns of the day, right? Now, many have undertaken to compile an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, like the accounts passed on to us by those who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word from the beginning. So it seemed good to me as well, because I have followed all things carefully from the beginning, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know for certain the things that you we're taught, I, you know, it doesn't. It's not nearly as poetic, would you agree? But I want to suggest to you this morning that uh, it still has something to say to us. That it that it that it serves a purpose. of kind of pulling us into. Uh, the story of Jesus. Many of you perhaps know Luke uh, and his gospel is sort of a two-volume work, right? He wrote the gospel, the story of Jesus. As he's just told us, he pulled from sort of eyewitness accounts of people that he knew, kind of orderly, uh, brought them together for Theophilus. But Luke also wrote Acts. And we bump into him in the story of Acts. He starts off sort of objectively apart, but by the end of Acts, he's in the story and, and he's participating uh, with Paul and others in the story of the, the, the first sort of communities of the church. And uh, In this sort of two-volume work, the, the front end, he gives us sort of, Uh, the story of Jesus, and then enact sort of the implications of that story in the lives of his first followers. And so today, I I just want to make a couple of observations. There are a lot of things we could look at a lot of the details here and consider perhaps their uh, either historical background or literary context, all sorts of, uh, I think, fun things we could consider here. Maybe like, nah, let's uh, stick with Middle Earth. I don't know. Uh, But uh, just a couple of observations that I hope we'll uh, help this front matter find some traction uh, in in your life uh, this morning. In Overland Park 2022, uh, wherever home is for you, uh, that what Luke wrote way back might have some resonance for uh, the story of the good news of Jesus Christ in your life. Uh, this morning. So again, I just I want to start with the prologue. Um, you know, we, we ha- have said uh, in looking at the songs of Advent, we've already seen the themes that he's going to introduce and bring us into themes like uh, the elements of expectation and surprise and sort of how those are at work in the story of Mary. Uh, Zechariah, that God's work is a work for here and now, but also there and then. It has future implications, but it's drawn from work already. In the past, we discovered as the angels saying that it's a song of joy, and the story of Jesus is a story of joy and peace, but, but also in a world full of fear and sadness. And then Simeon, that uh, as God reveals his heart for the world and the person and work in the story of Jesus. He, at the same time, reveals our hearts as well, which can be a a slightly, at times, discomforting and uncomfortable position to be in. So all those themes are themes we know, and I think we hear them, again, be it ever so briefly in in the prologue. I think this phrase right here is interesting, things that have been fulfilled among us. That Luke is is affirming uh, to Theophilus and and other readers, clearly writing for more than just him and and us now, that, that this is a story that is a continuation of one that has already begun. That the story of Jesus in in the world is a story that comes with God's plan and forethought. And again, uh, maybe a sort of a simple observation, but I think it's one worth noting, that the story of Jesus, God's uh, stepping into the world in the person of Jesus, is, is a, uh, this language of fulfillment implies that it is connected to a story that has come before, uh, that there is forethought and, and care in God's stepping into the world in the person of Jesus. The character of the one who would, who would intervene in this world uh, communicated in this language of care and forethought. But then this phrase here at the end of the passage, of, of that introduction, so that you may know for certain the things that you were taught. Right? So, so he affirms to Theophilus, I'm drawing from kind of eyewitness firsthand accounts. Right? So uh, he's kind of collecting all these people he has known, collecting them together, uh, and uh, orderly sort of presenting them to Theophilus in a way, he says, so that you can make sense of the things that you already no, which which I think is interesting. What what that says to us one is that there's a, that as he gives the story of Jesus, there's some encouragement, right? He's intending to kind of encourage, uplift, um, uh, uh, uphold, you know, kind of uh, support uh, Theophilus and us as we read, and and that Luke, although it is a story of what happened, that that is not his like focus, right? That that he he is more concerned here not with just what happened, but with what with 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 what what happened means, right? That, what are the implications? This is the story of Jesus. And as he tells this story, it's told in a way for, for his readers, for Theophilus, for you and me to step into an understanding of what, well, what does this mean? Uh, what are the if, if you'll, If you will, it, it's, it comes at us with this sort of suggestion that this story has implications for you that God's intervention in the world, Theophilus, the story that you know, uh, that we've heard, that has been given to us, uh, eyewitness accounts, all these things, this story that you know has implications, uh, not only for the world, but but for you, so that you can know uh, with certainty, so that, that sort of you can sort of take all the stuff that you already know and find its sort of resonance, uh, its implication for your life. And uh, I want to suggest to you, everything we do at church, as you read scriptures, you read the story of Jesus, uh, that same move uh, holds true that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is as Luke will tell us good news for the world. And that news has implication for, for you, right? So that you can make sense of what it means uh, even still here and now, but, but I think Luke, uh, one, one other sort of observation about all of this, which is why we read the next couple of verses, so we read this introduction, uh, and then we, we read sort of how the story starts. I, I think one thing he's going to suggest uh, to his readers and to you and me is that one thing that it means is is surprise, right, that, that all the expectations we bring to the story um, or what we think the story of Jesus is and should be, that our experience of that expression of good news in the world, God's work in the world, comes with, with a bit of surprise. And here's where I think we see it. Uh, Well, number one, if Luke's going to tell us the story of Jesus, it's interesting that he's like, okay, well, let me tell you about this other couple, right? Let me take you to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is like dramatics or building here. He's pulling us into a story again with context. It's not just this story. This story has history. But then there's this really interesting uh, language in the way in which he describes uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, So first he situates it historically during the reign of Herod, king of Judea. There lived a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And he he had a wife named Elizabeth who was a descendant of Aaron. So we're situated in history. We're we're situated in an existing story. But then he says this in verse 6, which I think is interesting. They were both righteous in the sight of God. They were following all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they did not have a child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both very old, which when you read the story, I I think one reaction is like, what, wait, what, right, like, you've just told us they're faithful, they're righteous, they're they're sort of following all the rules, they are blameless in the sight of God, whatever follows next, whatever we would expect to follow next, it would not be, but they were barren and old, and, and, and in a place of I don't know, t- discouragement and perhaps despair, right? I, I don't think sort of naturally follows that our reaction to that, uh, one reaction that I think we're meant uh, clearly because it continues, it's a theme that uh, occurs again and again in the story of Luke's gospel, is an element of surprise. Like, this is not what we thought would follow. Last week we, we were in Ephesians and I expressed sort of my prayer for our church. And um, in, in the course of that prayer, that feeling of uh, when sort of how we thought things would go. And how they actually are doesn't, it doesn't align. And I feel like that tension is here in this story. Righteous, following all the commandments, blameless and and barren. Right now, this isn't typically how we think the good news of Jesus ought, ought to work. Or, or that God would, would, would step into a situation like this, a couple sort of in the mundane routine of their lives, um, just sort of. Uh, where they are, dealing with, with what has been dealt, going through the motions of their life. And into that moment, Luke tells us the story of Jesus finds some, some origin, right like finds some traction, that, that as he's going to step into the good news of Jesus Christ, God's salvation for the world, that will be the theme in Luke's gospel, the salvation of God for his people, but for the world in the work and person of Jesus. That it will find traction in the life of this couple, living this kind of experience. I think there's a bit of surprise there. I, uh, I think I don't. I don't know. I, I wondered. I was, I was thinking about this morning what your experience of like stepping into the new year is. For some, it's like you're back to work, you're back to routine. Maybe you've had a break from the sort of uh, pressure and intensity of life. And uh, maybe not, maybe family brings its own sets of pressures and intensities, I don't know. But maybe you've had a break, and so now you're, you're kind of like back, I know my kids, this, my kids are nine, and, and starting back to school this year, it's, it's sort of increasingly growing where it's like they just didn't want to go, right? We were resting, we were home, it was fun. They're like, and they like school. They're like, please, right? Like, Sort of the step back into responsibility and rhythm and routine. I think sometimes that shift can be hard. And what I hear in the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, as Luke has told us, uh, that this is a story that has roots, has history. Uh, this is a story that has implications for you. And then his first example of that is a couple doing the best they can, in this case, even living righteously, yet still in a season and stage of life full of brokenness, as Emily prayed for us this morning. Life is good, yes, but also at times broken. And and in the midst of that, uh, the story of Jesus... Uh, working uh, life. I don't know what your experience as you step back into routine might be, but I I think one message from the gospel for us this morning is that even as you step into mundane uh, routines and pressures and responsibilities of your life, the good news of Jesus that is cosmic and global in scale also has implications for the routine everydayness of your life. Experience, And I hope at Park City that that comes through, sometimes better than others. But I hope the grace of God as expressed to us in Jesus finds resonance with your life. I, I, um, I think I've mentioned previously as I sort of wrap this up. Uh, that, that we've been reading through the Chronicles of Narnia with the kids, right? You'll notice the theme here. I, give me a week or two. I'll be off the literature thing, and we'll, you know, after Georgia wins. All of the illustrations will be about the Georgia game. But, um, but uh, I mean, after the Chiefs uh, run it back, that's what I meant to say. But, uh, sorry, I don't Was that too much? All right. I, I didn't. Okay. Uh, we've been reading Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, I've been reading Lord of the Rings. But I told you we, uh, we had moved through uh, the first six books. And uh, and, and we, we came to book six. And uh, is book six, right? Yeah. Uh, the Last Battle, seven. Was it the s- seventh one? Yeah, sorry. We read the first six. And and uh, we listened to some of them. We read them as, a, as a, with the girls. And uh, we, I told you, we came to the last one. And uh, my wife has a knack. She, like, reads to the end of a book which you can argue with her over the merits of that uh, or not, but uh, she kind of flipped through this book and she was like, I don't think the girls are ready for the weight of this story, uh, sort of how things are going to develop. I'm not, I think they are really emotionally invested in this series, and I'm afraid of what you may do to them emotionally. Maybe give them some <laughs> years of maturity, so I gave them one, and uh, I think we're ready, right? <laughs> um well, we, so we started reading it, and uh, maybe she was right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it's too late now, right? The, 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 the proverbial train has left the station, and um, yeah. So, uh, but we, we, so we started, and, uh, you know, I think one of my kids really loves it and has been, like, clamoring for it. And the other one, I think, in an attempt to sort of differentiate from her sister, wants to not like it. Right, so she's been like, I don't want to read it. We're like, I think we're gonna read it, uh, right. but then we're in, and she's like, Yeah, you know, keep it coming. but we were reading the other night, and that kid, the one who was like, I don't want to read this one, uh, you know, I, I playfully, you know, I don't think I'm gonna quit reading tonight. No, read a little bit more. Um, uh, we were reading it, and uh, she, the, 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 the the other the kid that was like, I don't want to read this one. She was like, um, Where, you know, we wrote a couple of chapters. She's like, Where are the people we love? right? Like, where are the children? <laughs> you know, like we, we read six books of getting to know all these central characters. And in this last book, you know, you start sort of somewhere else with other people. And, and uh, she's like, are we ever going to get to the, to the children? And I'm like, patience, young Padwan, or whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, wait, 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 right? Just, just hang in there. And, and it, this feeling like the payoff has been worth it, right? That we were sort of well into the story before we sort of bumped into uh, the people, the characters that that we have grown uh, to love. And and I, I I think about that feeling as I as I step into Luke's gospel. Uh, as we hear sort of this introductory material that's like, nah, you know, you're like, I don't know. And then you start with Zechariah and Elizabeth, you you kind of you're moving into the story and you're into the story and and uh, before, you know, we, we get to the Purpose of Jesus, as we'll see in the coming weeks, Luke three and four, as He stands up and announces, "This is, this is why I am here." Sits rather, as He announces, "This is why I'm here." But, but I also wonder if our experience of the good news isn't kind of like this as well—that you you can be well into the story of your life, and maybe church is maybe a part of the rhythm of our life, maybe it's a thing that we've done, but but we can be sort of well into the story, and and, and, and it's sometimes be wondering like, where is the grace of God here? Or, or maybe we're kind of well into the routines and motions of our lives and it's at a moment that we don't expect and perhaps haven't anticipated where it comes alive uh, to us, where the good news of the grace of Jesus sort of uh, wakes up in us in, in, in a way that we hadn't anticipated or foreseen. Maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we had just sort of been doing what we knew to do and found ourselves in perhaps places of barrenness. And yet there it's, it's where we finally and experience and meet the good news of Jesus. Uh, I, I There's a lot we could say about history and background in Luke's gospel. But it's uh, What I hope you'll see over the coming weeks is that it clearly is a story of God's salvation for the world. And as Luke is telling it, he wants to tell it in such a way that, that Theophilus and you realize that, that that's a story you're a part of. God's salvation for this this world is a disruptive story, as Zechariah and Elizabeth discovered, as we saw already, disruptive. Even Zechariah, perhaps not open, uh, to its working in his life in, in quite the way uh, maybe he would have thought, you know, that it could be disruptive in our own lives as well. Maybe you have experienced that. It, it rearranges priorities. It reshuffles the things that we uh, are prone to emphasize in our lives, that it is disruptive, but it is God's story of salvation and, and, and has implications for you, for me. What I hope you'll see uh, in the next couple of weeks, few weeks, as we step more deeply into the story, that God's salvation is for the world, yes, but that includes you. And it will be disruptive, it will be surprising, it will break in in your life in ordinary moments. Whether we're ready for it or not, it will work life. That is what Jesus does. In places and contexts and peoples that maybe we don't think it belongs, it will work life. It's his work, the story of his salvation for the world. As one writer put it, uh, what we find in Luke's gospel is that salvation isn't sort of, his plan of salvation for the world isn't some kind of ethereal sort of thing out there. It's not just for the future, but it embraces life in the present. It restores integrity to human life. It revitalizes human communities. It sets the cosmos in order. And it it commissions the community of God's people to put his grace into practice among themselves, but also in ever-widening circles to others. That it is embodied, it is fleshy, the story of God's salvation in the world. And this is the story you have been caught up into this morning. I don't know the circumstances of your life. Uh, some of you I do, but I hope you hear the invitation of Luke as he says, let me tell you, let me, let me put the story of Jesus uh, to you in a way that will help you understand that this has resonance and meaning for you in a way that you can know with certainty its implications for your life, that the good news of Jesus has implications for you. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church podcast. To learn more about our church and/or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.